Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer. Some people don't like the term, but I think, like many other words, it's all in how you say it. My umbrella business is Boom with a Bang, and I think we should keep that in mind as much as possible. We Boomer women don't have a lot of role models as we traverse this chapter. So the goal of this podcast is to introduce you to guests who might incentivize, encourage, teach you to embrace your wisdom, our wisdom. With this incarnation of the Boomer Woman's Podcast, I'm interviewing people who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at boomwithabang.com. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, message me. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. So let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. If you're a woman, you're someone's daughter. If you're a mother, you might have a daughter. I've always been aware of the mother-daughter connection. My relationship with my own mother was up and down until we were older, and then we became much closer, until dementia turned her into someone she'd never been before. I am super close to my own two daughters. We had a few bumps as they grew into adulthood, but I've always chosen my battles, so in retrospect, keeping my mouth shut on more than one occasion was probably a good idea. Nowadays, we get together when we can around their busy family lives, but text quite often, if only to send hearts. My guest today is a trained family therapist who specializes in the often overlooked and certainly undervalued mother-daughter relationship. Hilary Trong, welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. What a lovely introduction. Oh, well, thank you. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I've been looking for, to it for a while. So, Hillary, your young years with your own mother sound pretty idyllic. Do you mind sharing that with our listeners? Yeah, about my relationship with my mother. Is that- well, you were just talking about this lovely cottage and, you know, she had the business that brought women in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I am, um, my mother has three daughters. I'm in the middle and um, I, yeah, I grew up watching her have this lovely business out of our family home. She's an excellent cook and um, would teach cooking classes a couple times a week out of our home. 12 women would come and sit around our dining room table and she'd demonstrate from the kitchen and she had a mirror that would hung over the stove where everyone could watch, you know, how yeah. she's cooking it, what she's making. And it was always a themed menu. And um, so the women would watch her make it, eat it. And then take the recipes home and and uh, and make it for their families and friends. And I always, you know, my mom is she takes care of everybody, and so that was a way for her to be creative, make money for our family, and um, nurture women um, as they were guests in our home. That sounds really nice, boy. <laughs> I, <laughs> it I was, will make it was. I will make no comments about my mother's cooking. <laughs> Why did you choose to specialize in the mother-daughter relationship? So I was a family therapist first. I worked with um, children and their families, and I always connected really well with the teen girls who would come in my room. And um, at some point, I decided I'm I'm just making my practice about teen girls. 
And when I was focused on that, you know, I'd see probably 10 to 15 girls a week, I would see this breakdown between them and their mothers over and over. And I thought, why do we just accept this, that teen girls are going to pull away from their moms? And, you know, the moms would be waiting in the waiting room to be asked to come into the room and be part of the conversation. And I never learned anything about the mother-daughter relationship in school and any of my trainings as a family therapist. And I also struggled with my mom as a teen as well. And so I really wanted some answers. And so I started doing some research. There's really not too much out there. Um, There's probably a handful of books, um, you know, a handful of data Um, But there are some women that are just pioneers in the field that are gathering this information. And so I was mentored by someone by the name of Rashka Hasseldeen and um, learned about the mother-daughter relationship. And once I got my hands on this information and understood the dynamics that happen throughout the life of the relationship, I knew that's that's where my passion was. I am a mother of a girl. You know, I have my um, relationship with my mother. My sisters are surrounding me with their relationships um, with my mom. And um, I just knew that this is an underserved relationship. Every woman who walked through my door, um, you know, when I was a therapist, would want to talk about their mom. And I thought, you know, I want to I want to give them this information. I want to put the pieces together for them. Yeah, I find it interesting, or I've found it interesting over the years that, I don't know, there there was always that something that just seemed to be a stronger bond between the mother and the daughter than anyone else in their lives. So it's pretty interesting there. Now, now, when can the relationship start to go sour? Well, so I said before, there's different stages in the relationship. And um, the first one that tends to be difficult is the adolescent stage. Um, yeah. You know, when a daughter is, you know, becoming her really searching for herself and trying to find herself. And she does that through her mother's eyes and within her relationship with her mom, she wants to anyway. And then there's the stages that go on from there can become struggles as well. Like when when your daughter moves out, when they get married or find a partner, you know, start a family, when the, the, um, the mother becomes a grandmother and the daughter becomes a mother, all those stages you sort of need to recalibrate the relationship and to, and talk to each other about, okay, what do we need now that we're in this new stage? And we don't know to do that necessarily. And so all of those, all of those moments can be difficult. Okay. Uh, I think my notes are really going to be dead on today after that little. <laughs> Great. Now, I think it's fairly standard knowledge that, you know, that there can be bumps. I've often suggested that teens need to be cut a little slack as they learn you know, how to grow into adulthood. Parents are supposed to be the adults. How should a mother adult through the bumps, through their daughter's bumps? I teach mothers that the the biggest thing they can do is listen to their daughter and understand her, understand where she is. Because when a daughter feels heard and understood, she feels loved. Whether or not her mom has the right answers for her, she solves that problem. For the daughter to feel like you've got my back, you're on my side, you're not telling me I have to do something I don't want to do, you're not siding with somebody else and telling me I'm in the wrong, you're just listening to me and supporting me, that's really the biggest thing that we can do as mothers, accept them. You talk about well-intentioned mothers. (laughs) What are those? Mm -hmm. That accept their daughter for who she is and 
and understand where she is in that moment. I think as mothers, you know, we're, we're females as well. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons why this relationship is so unique is it's a female relationship. When a daughter feels like she doesn't have to be somebody else to please her parent, um, either parent, um, but especially her mother, you know, that she's going to feel loved and she's going to be accepted for where she is and who she is. Okay. One of my go-to phrases is, <laughs> I'm putting myself out here, um, the statute of limitations on parenting ends when they turn 18. Now, 18 is an arbitrary age, but it often coincides with finishing high school and going out into the world. Uh, and what I mean primarily is that you've had 18 years to impart your wisdom and your guidance, that they're considered adults. So perhaps at some point in time, as they get closer to 20 and beyond, you need to think first before you start telling them what they should be doing, perhaps waiting until they ask for advice, if they do. Um, am, am I out in the field? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I love that. I mean, it's, it, it's difficult to do, but easy to understand that you know, just take a step back and, and listen more. I work with mothers and daughters in that stage a lot as college years and right after college, because the mom tends to want more than the daughter can give um, or than the daughter wants, you know, to give. And I, so I, th- I think you're spot on there um, with really kind of taking a step back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is a little bit less of like telling them what to do and a little bit more of enjoying them, having fun with them, loving them. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, you know, just looking at it from my age is perhaps some of those mothers don't want their daughters to get into some of the mischief that they got into back in the, 60s and early 70s. <laughs> <laughs> How do they remain close as the relationship grows into one between two adult women? Mother listening to daughter. Daughter's going to feel loved and understood by mom. The other piece is, I think as we get to be adults, sometimes moms think, now I can, now my daughter can support me too. And the dynamic in the mother-daughter relationship always needs to be one of the mother taking care of her daughter emotionally until the, until she can't do that anymore, until maybe she needs her own care. We don't want our daughters to feel like they need to take care of us emotionally. Um, so it really should be mother takes care of daughter, daughter takes care of her daughter, right? And we're just that pattern of like we're passing down the care when a daughter feels like she has to care for her mom emotionally that um, that can feel like a burden for her, especially if she has many other people in her life that she's caring for. And I think this this can happen naturally because as women, we are the carers and we're not so great at letting other people take care of us, right? So this right. is um, this is often new for the mothers and daughters I work with to understand that dynamic and to really work on thinking about what they need and who is the right person to take care of that for them. And usually when we're talking about the mother, it would be their partner, their mother, their friends, like that's their network of support, right? Um, and their their daughter's network of support. Sometimes you hear uh, like an adult daughter or an adult mother of an adult daughter say, oh, you know, she's my best friend. Is, is that okay? Like sometimes I, I, I feel it emphasizes the closeness that can be there but 
that I know I, I don't want to share with my daughters some of the things that mm-hmm. I might share with my my besties. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense to have that boundary. Totally. I think, you know, without it, I hear so many stories about daughters who are women, adult daughters who are, you know, will talk to their mom all the time and they'll, and they'll, you know, be the one who's hearing about their day and everything that's going on. And for them, it feels like a lot, you know? Um, So I think you could certainly be best friends in a way where you get along really well and you love spending time together. But I do, I do appreciate having that boundary there of your daughter, not being the person that you turn to, to share everything with. I'm wondering, I'm so far off my notes now. That's okay. (laughs) I'm just thinking that, you know, it can almost be like that whole bestie, you know, they're my, they're best friends kind of thing can almost be a crutch for not developing other relationships is that possible Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I think that's absolutely true where if they're so focused on each other that they don't have intimate relationships with with others okay now we're talking about adult adult women many of our listeners are older adult women they still have mothers in their lives after a lifetime of perhaps a somewhat fractious relationship, is there anything that can be done to bring these older women, uh, adult daughters and closer to well, the older adult daughters closer to their mothers? Because probably it's going to have to start with the daughter. Yeah, um, I think understanding your mom's story, your mom's life, where she comes from helps to tell you why she did the things she did if it was a difficult relationship, um, why she expected what she expected or treated you the way she did. When we look back generations of women in the family, it's, you know, I call it the mother line where, you know, you look at your relationship with your mother and your mother's relationship with her mother and her mother's relationship with her mother. And you just keep going back as far as you can. You start to see patterns and you see that there were, you know, women in the family who maybe weren't feeling hurt or weren't encouraged to to follow their heart or do what they really wanted to do or pursue their dreams. Um, And it starts to paint a picture of the, the stress that that put on the relationships between the women and the family. And I, and, and when you do that, you start to build empathy for where your mother came from and why she was limited in the ways that she was limited Uh, because you see her mother didn't have that to give her. She never learned that Um, she didn't learn how to do it any differently or look what she did change look what my mom changed. I didn't even realize all, you know, everything that was going on before her. Um, So I think understanding the whole picture can really help. Is, is there ever a time when a relationship can't be saved? I think it's very difficult when you do try to repair with your mother and she's not open to listening to, to meeting you halfway to admitting that, even though she tried her best, her best wasn't good enough for you. Um, or it's still, you know, it still caused you pain. In those moments, these are the women that are healing themselves. And the way that I approach it is always in honor of their mother um, and, and really being able to acknowledge what their mother was able to give them. But there are certainly limits if your mother can't meet you halfway and be vulnerable as well. 
which is especially true of generations past, you know, parents didn't apologize, you know, they're just, you know, this is the way it is. And, you know, don't ask me any questions about why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> My way or the highway. Yeah. Um, dear. <laughs> now a common enough lament that I've heard from some women uh, is perhaps old fashioned, but it exists marriage and children, AKA grandchildren. What do you say to those mothers who feel the need to express opinions or suggestions out loud? Don't say it. <laughs> to keep those opinions to yourself or the, the right people to talk to that about is your partner and your friends. Um, absolutely. I mean, it is, um, it's going to come between your relationship. You know, if your daughter is trying to have children and she can't, or she isn't ready or doesn't want to, or doesn't have a partner, whatever's happening, that's her, her body, her choice, right? And um, the right people to talk to about those feelings you have around not having grandchildren are other people other than your daughter. Yeah. And I, I think too, I, I see, well, I think of one certain person in my life who, my grandchildren or their grandchildren. <laughs> so, you know, they, they've sort of said, well, I don't think that's going to happen in my life. So, uh, you know, they just entertain my grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you do have to do that. Um, when I was growing up, there was a woman who went to our church that looks like our grandmother who lived on the other side of the country. And she sort of became our local grandmother, like an adoptive grandmother. And I think that's, that's really nice, too, because every child can benefit from having relationships with other women and that, you know, outside of their family learning from them and especially from another generation. So that's a beautiful solution that you have right there. <laughs> We've talked about mothers and daughters, but where there's a mother, there's often a father. They can be assertive. They can be overprotective of their daughters. And if that father won't consider his wife's guidance, how does the mother support the daughter through that, I don't know, age 13 to 23 decade? That's probably the toughest decade for a daughter of a father. How does the mother support the daughter in her relationship with her dad or on her well, own, on the mother or on her own if the dad's not supportive? Well, no, just, you know, like the daughter can say, or the mother can say to the father, you know, back off, like, don't don't be who you are, as a friend of mine likes to say. But, you know, if he's going to be that person of, you know, who's that boy? Well, you know, like, who's the boy or your skirt's too short or or something like that. You know, like the mother needs to support the daughter somehow without sort of really saying your dad's an idiot. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think so. Two things. The mother being able to talk to her partner, the father, about, you know, this is what's appropriate with girls now. This is what we understand about how girls are growing up in the world and what they need to be, what they need to hear in, in order to love themselves and, and have a voice. I, I don't feel, I don't feel good about mothers sort of saying, you know, he just doesn't get it because he's a man. I think we make a lot of excuses about that. So for me, I want to turn to the education for the man, for the father, right? To understand this is the experience that girls have in the world. This is what she needs from you. And I don't know that that should fall on the mother's shoulders, right? That she's now parenting this girl and she's, you know, educating her husband or partner. 
So that's number one. So if I could wave a magic wand, men would just understand women more, right? Um, I mean, a lot of issues that happen between mothers and daughters would be solved in that way. You will make a kajillion dollars when you develop that magic wand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on it. But I think, you know, mothers can also encourage their daughters to go to their dad. Um, You know, so often girls will say, tell their mother, confine in her and say, don't tell dad. And so, you know, I always recommend, you know, we don't have secrets, you know, within the family. We're not going to protect dad from, you know, hearing about your period or whatever is happening, right? He's part of this family and and we're going to, he's, we're a team, you know, mom and dad. So helping her daughter have the words to talk to him. And then at the same time, if he's difficult to talk to, you know, coaching him to be able to have those conversations and, and be able to listen and understand his daughter. But interestingly, I just had, since coaching mothers and daughters, I have not had a dad be interested in doing the work. And I just had a dad of a 14 year old say, well, what about me? Can I be involved in this? And I thought, I, I love that, that he wants to understand because he wants to understand his daughter too. And he wants to understand what happens between his wife and his daughter. And um, I think more conversations like that need to be happening. As you say that, I'm just wondering if if a man can almost feel left out when there is a really strong mother-daughter connection there. I, I think that is what was going on. Um, and it's a, it's a family where there's only one child too. So, he, you know, he is wanting to be involved and it's, it's just the three of them. So it makes sense for him to be in the know and understand too. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting concepts. Eh? I mentioned at the beginning that my own mother changed significantly as dementia claimed her brain. Um, now I actually had a whole career in dementia care. I loved the dementia clients. I had endless patience for them and their behaviors Mm -hmm. or their uh, conversations, whatever. I admired the daughters who were able to adapt and whose love never wavered. I really struggled with my own mother and was, often enough, sucked into the arguments that she became really good at starting. I don't know if that's in your bailiwick, but what would you say to an adult daughter whose mother's brain is changing? So it's it's no longer the mother that she knew and loved. Hmm. That's really difficult. I, and I'm I, I'm going to ask you a question. At what point did you catch on to yourself that you were getting pulled into her, the arguments or, you know, that it was you were arguing with the dementia at that point and, and not your mother? Um, I think the moment that I told her that I'd been married for 17 years and it ended in divorce and I'd had more arguments with her in the last year than I'd ever had in 17 mm-hmm. years of a marriage that ended. I also got really good at phoning my brother and saying, get over here now. And I would just go for a walk and he could you know, ride her on, on my mother. Yeah. So. That's interesting. Um, you know, I, uh, my short answer is I'm not sure, but I, I have some guesses as to what could help. Um, And some of that might be listening more and not feeling like you have to be able to solve the problem. Or, um, you know, this is what I tell mothers of teen girls is don't feel like you have to solve, have all the answers for her, you know? And so if she is your, your older mother is picking fights or arguments and, you know, you're kind of going in circles um, to be able to step back and, and just be present and say, okay, I hear you. 
I get it. Um, and, and really not engage. Um, it really is reminding me so much of the teen years where <laughs> kind of pointless <laughs> arguments, right. Um, and just, you know, talking to be heard. So just letting her know that you, you hear it and, and not joining her in that spiral. You compare it to like a, a teenage daughter kind of relationship, lying about what, what's like, I'm thinking in my mother's case, she was mm. telling people I was stealing her mother or her mother. I was stealing her money, but it can also happen in the teen years. Now that I think about it, you know, like, oh, my mother did this or, you know, my daughter does that, whatever. Yeah. And, and it's a total lie. Right. Right. It's, it's, um, it's blame. Uh, you know, when you're angry and you don't want to take responsibility, it can happen a lot in the teen years as you're figuring yourself out and accepting responsibility is, is difficult. And I'm not sure if there was anything even happening to your mom's money, <laughs> right. That there was even a problem to solve there. Um, but it does, it does feel similar. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. you you came on the boomer woman's podcast. Oftentimes the mother has passed. Uh, reconciliation will never happen. How does a woman settle her heart so she can move through the rest of her life in peace with peace about that relationship? Yeah. I, I, I think it's also um, what I was saying before about mapping your history and understanding the, the journey of mothers and daughters in your family, um, where your mom came from, why she was the way she was. And, you know, it's hard to accept, but when we can get to a place and understand my mom did the best with what she had, um, you know, and whether she had a lot or she had a little, she just did her best. And, um, and acknowledging that best wasn't enough for me. And this is how, this is how I can understand that. Now, I think forgiveness comes with that um, understanding where your mom came from and why she did the things that she did. So I would recommend having those conversations with someone who could map your, your history. Mother's passing, you know, like sometimes women pass too young um, and their daughters grow up without them through those teen years. Have you experienced that? Yeah, absolutely. It's really difficult um, to lose to lose your mom before you are a woman because you learn how to be a woman through your mom, through watching her, how she is a woman in the world, just you know, we started with the story of my mom and um, and the reason that that's so impactful for me is because she showed me how to be an entrepreneur and how to take care of other women and the importance of gathering women together um, and supporting each other. And she taught me so much about myself. I didn't even realize it until I started putting the pieces together and thinking, oh, I, I did this totally differently than my mom did, right? And here I am living a version of her story. And I think when we don't have that, we really do lack that grounding in like who I am and where I come from. Um, so definitely, I think there's there's a piece missing that we always want to know. We always want to know our mom. Do you have any suggestions? Like, I, I don't know any young teenage girls without mothers, but what would you suggest? Like, can they find a role model? Can they... Um, I, I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> we're going somewhere yeah. I never intended to go here. Yeah, no, I think certainly having another a woman in her life as a as a role model and an aunt, a grandparent, a, a neighbor, anybody, you know, who they look up to. But also I think 
just maybe even being an investigator and learning the mother's story, who she was, where she came from, what was she like, what were her dreams as a girl, you know, really learning about her mom and then being able to put some of those pieces together and think like, oh, I was like that too, or I thought that as well, or um, you know, when I when I map the history with mothers and daughters, there's always pieces where we realize, wow, you're so similar in this way, right? Or did you even know that that four generations ago, everyone in your family was musical? It makes so so much sense that you have this talent as well, right? We just learn these connections and feel connected to where we come from, even though we've never met met those women. Yeah, that sounds good. For many of us older mothers, we are now grandmothers, and we are mothers of daughters with a whole new generation of daughters. How do we support both our daughters and our granddaughters? That's a great question. I, and I'm I'm in the, the phase right now where I'm the, the daughter, right? And my mom is the grandmother. I think it's important not to forget your daughter as a woman, as a human, um, because I think it can be easy. And you know, now we can relate to each other as mothers, right? Now, right? And also, grandparents love their grandchildren, you know, so much, no matter what. And I think making sure that, um, you know, you're showing the same kind of love and care for your daughter as well, um, because she's, she's still the person that you're emotionally taking care of, like I said before, right? Um, and so I'm making sure that she still has that support, especially now as a mother, where she's maybe spread too thin and caring for too many people that she could still really use that, that love and care from you. And, and then, you know, I've worked with many families where the grandparents live in the house while the grandchildren are being raised and there's conflicting ideas about, you know, how that should work and, you know, an extra parent essentially in the house. Um, and I think always backing up your kids and their, and their parenting choices. Um, and if there is a real issue to be able to talk about that behind the scenes rather than in front of the grandchildren about what you think should be done so that you don't take their power away. As I asked that question, I also realized that, um, in this case, it's a boy. I'm really, really close to my grandson because we did live together for the first several Mm. years and I did all the like summer care, like during the week while, while my daughter was working. But I, I realized too, that as these children grow into their teen years, we've got to be really careful to let the parent parent. And we aren't, we are still the grandparents, not the parents. Right. Right. And you just sort of get to take that hat off too. You get to be the one that listens to them and has fun with them and, you know, does all the fun stuff, you know, now as the grandparent. And I, I mean, there's probably things you learn as a grandparent about how your grandchild feels that you can share with your, you know, with your daughter to give her a heads up on what's happening or maybe something she didn't notice was going on. Um, So in, you know, in some ways you're, you're still just a team with your daughter and, you know, showing her that support and that love. Yeah. Just like a real quick anecdote is, yeah, I was driving with my grandson just recently, like literally a couple of weeks ago, and he started asking me some pretty in-depth questions about sexuality. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, this is probably the conversation you should have with your mother, but I can't avoid it. We're in the car. She's not around. You know, so we had the discussion. It took half an hour to get where we were going. I answered all the questions that I could as honestly as I knew how. And 
as soon as I had a private moment with my daughter, it was like, okay, just so you know, <laughs> this is what <laughs> happened. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do that avoidance thing because then our subjects taboo. I don't want subjects to be taboo. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, interesting being sort wow. of stuck in that position. So yeah, sometimes perhaps those sexuality questions are, are questions here. Oh, I don't want to talk to my mom about this or my dad about this. So. Mm-hmm. I guess. He came to the person who he felt comfortable asking. I guess, um, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's great. And then you, you filled her in so she can be part of the conversation too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of strange when that comes out of the blue. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hillary, I've, I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything I we haven't talked about that you think either mothers or daughters should think about? I, I really... I think moving away from this narrative of like the mother daughter relationship is complicated and hormonal. And, you know, that's why we struggle with each other and and lots of ups and downs. I hear that a lot. And to understand that there is a place with understanding that you can get to where you both feel heard and, and understood and loved by each other. And just, it may take some, some education and some work, to get there. But the, on the other side of that is a relationship where um, you can talk about anything, um, share how you feel, what you need, and just enjoy each other, really. If if that conversation as like, especially adults, if, if you do find the emotions starting to get a little too strong in either direction, is it better just to say sort of walk away or like do you claim those emotions or like, like, especially sometimes if they're negative emotions, I'm thinking that, that that's just going to take it right back down to zero. Yes. I think what becomes really important in those situations is that both mother and daughter talk about what they need, how they feel, and what they need from each other. And they're really clear, not um, pointing fingers about you did this or, you know, um, this hurt me. You know, um, it's this is how I feel about this. And now this is what I need. Because how can we help the other person if we don't understand what they need from us? Um, if we're just protecting ourselves. Um, so it is important to be able to be clear about what's happening for you and also what you need from them. But I think that part is is really important. And if you can't do that in that moment, you know, table it and say, we're going to come back to this. Why don't we both think about what we need in this situation? And let's come back and, and listen to each other. Yeah, I think uh, more more relationships other than mother daughters sometimes need to say, let's revisit this at another time. <laughs> yeah, and then but make sure it happens too. That's the difficult part. Sometimes you can yeah, true. move on, and and that was never solved. So yeah. making sure you go back. If you feel too great a feeling of oh I escaped that, then maybe yeah. it's something that you do have to get go back to. <laughs> yeah. Now you coach. Do you coach mothers? Yeah. Do you coach daughters? Do you coach them together separately? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I So I mostly coach mothers or I coach mothers and daughters together. Yeah. And I think daughters know what they need from their moms, but they can't always get it. So I've where I am right now is, is coaching mothers to teach them how to listen to their daughters and understand what they need from them. And then they go off and do it. And then I do work with mothers and daughters, like adult daughters and their mothers to heal their relationship too get it all out on the table everything you know that's happening everything they're feeling and then I teach them um, some of the things we talked about like how to how to ask for what they need how to share how they feel how to listen to each other and I do that with them together and then we have sessions separately too so they can just talk openly 
and then we bring it to their their couple session do those conversations with adults daughters and mothers just ever come into just <laughs> ends up a blame session I don't let it, but I it, it absolutely can if you go to someone who doesn't understand the dynamics between mothers and daughters. But I, I we we don't do that. I have pretty strict <laughs> boundaries and and not letting it go off in that way. And that's part of the reason why they meet with me individually, so we can we can sort through how they feel, and then we bring it to you know if I'm working with a daughter, they want to talk about something that happened in the past. She tells me the story we sort it out together in the pieces that are important for her mom to understand. And then she brings it to her mom with me there to guide them along and, and make sure that they're, they're listening and not, like you said, like the blame session, you know, that there's no room for that. We're just listening and understanding and honoring each other's experiences. Well, one thing that you said that you've been saying all the way through, and it's sort of, I don't know, I guess I never realized that is that daughter's, know what they want from their mothers and like especially teenage daughters do they know no or do they is it I don't like I'm not voicing this very well but do they can they actually put words to what they need sometimes and not but not always okay so some of that is giving them a voice you know if if they learned that when they ask for what they need or they talk about how they feel it's not taken seriously or no action is taken um then they might stop. But there are plenty of daughters who are saying what the problem is and what they need from their mom. And the mom's just not hearing it. She's thinking, well, that's not really it. This is the issue. And it's usually how she feels. Um, so that that listening and understanding is key. I mean, I've, I've been saying that the whole way through, right? Is really <laughs> yeah, listening yeah. and understanding. If you're not really listening to how your daughter feels, she's not going to feel loved by you. She's there is going to be that missing piece in this relationship. I remember telling my kids that they were allowed to disagree with me or any other adult as long as they were respectful. <laughs> so uh, I, hope, I hope that was the right thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gave them room. Yeah, some boundaries on how you do that, but you gave them room to have their own opinions. It's perfect. Um, okay, where do we find you on the world wide web? <laughs> um, my website hillarymay.com and I am also on social media I'm on Instagram Facebook and LinkedIn and my username is Hillary May Co. cool okay the website link will be in the podcast show notes all the links will be part of your bio on our website listeners if you have thoughts on today's show please talk to us leave comments where you're listening or if you're listening at the boomer woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there leave stars and reviews where you can they help us grow for early access of upcoming episodes there's a sign up under this conversation at boom with a bang now share this episode with your women friends who are also mothers Even if we have a good relationship with our mothers and or our daughters, we can still learn things. Here's one last question for you, Hillary. If someone is wanting to repair a relationship, they're feeling a little nervous about how to start it. Could could sharing this episode with the mother or the daughter be an opening move? Absolutely. Yeah. I learned a few things and I'd love to talk to you about this after you listen too. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. 
Hillary Trong, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing so much wisdom with us. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of the week.